What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. watching Rum Buncher Radio. My name is Trey Entity. Tonight I'm joined with Nick Caparoso. We're missing the third member of our team, Marty Leap. We hope to get him back next week. Nick, a lot to talk about. Some roster moves, really some moves in the front office with this team, some potential front office moves to come, some roster moves as well that, that may have broken your heart, uh, depending on how you felt about a guy, Gregory Polanco. We got a lot to talk about with the minors as well tonight. But before we get started with this show, have to tell you guys about our friends over at Manscaped. Do you have hairy balls, itchy balls, sweaty balls? It's okay. We've all been there. And thankfully, our friends at Manscaped.com have you covered. They recently put together their top team to give you an out-of-this-world experience. Are you ready for the Performance Package 4.0? This is now available not just in the United States, but across Canada, the United Kingdom, Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. You can get it all across the world, all across the galaxy. And before you get your scheduled liftoff, try out the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This fourth-generation trimmer also features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motors on it, a new multifunction on-off switch, a travel lock, and is even waterproof. Not just this, guys, but the package also comes with the new and improved Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut down there to chop your worst weeds up on top, in your nose, and in your ears as well. This thing has 9,000 RPM motors on it as well. Rotary blade, dual system setup, and of course, guys, the one thing we all love the most, the proprietary skin-safe technology that helps prevent the nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. You get a crop preserver, you get a ball toner, you get it all, guys, with the package 4.0. And all you have to do is go to manscaped.com and use the code FANSIDED20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's manscaped.com. Use the code FANSIDED20 for 20% off and free shipping. 
Nick Manscaped has a lot of great things going on. The Pirates haven't had as many this season. It's been somewhat of a struggle. They're in the bottom three in ERA and walks this season. They have scored the least amount of runs out of every team in baseball. But let's start with that side of things, the offensive side. Rick Eckstein, who became the hitting coach after the 2018 season, was fired from that position earlier this week. Now, he was part of the Neil Huntington regime. He was not a Ben Charrington guy. And you had an article this week on Oscar Marine. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about Rick Eckstein, his legacy here, and what ultimately led to this decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it right off the bat. I think he was kind of that first guy that they felt like they could get rid of. Um, just because he was one of the guys they kept over from the previous regime. You know, at the time when they kept him, um, I was for it. It made sense just because, you know, just like when we saw them keep some of the front office, a few key members of the front office from the previous regime, Exxon was going to be familiar with the hitters. He was, you know, looked at as, you know, a potential up-and-coming hitting coach. He definitely will probably find a job of – doing some sort of hitting instruction, you know, um, next season, whether it be as another hitting coach or assistant, but yeah, it just, I don't know. It just never seemed to click. And you, you know, you have to question whether that's on him versus the talent he was given. But, you know, I think at times, you know, you have to make a change just to make a change it seemed like this offense really didn't take much of a step forward. We saw guys like Hoy Park who came in here, um, Yankee hitting mentality, what he learned there, started off hot. All of a sudden he's not hitting as well, you know, so I don't know exactly how hands-on X-Time was, but it definitely makes sense, you know, why they moved on from him at this point. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, you think about it, a lot of the guys that have come in this season, two most recent examples, Hoy Park, like you said, and Yashi Tsutsugo. They come in, and they're unbelievably hot to start. And Tsutsugo has obviously kept that up. But, you know, we see guys like Hoy Park maybe take a half step back. Like you said, you know, at sometimes you just have to fire somebody to, to fire somebody because that was what this team needed. Uh, and numbers like numbers, you know, and there's yeah. no denying that. And he's attached to it. And so – you know, the, the other thing is I did want to talk about Polanco also just, you know, him kind of regressing even more, uh, or, you know, worst season of his career, especially considering he was healthy for it. So, you know, I think once again, you see that kind of failure, um, you know, someone's got to answer to that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was – I think that this move was going to happen either way. It was a little bit surprising. And I, I saw you noted it in your article, a little bit out of the blue almost. I thought this maybe would happen after the season was over, but this move was almost inevitable. And, and like you said, you know, you have to take it in context. If any hitting coach in baseball was given this roster this season, they probably don't have a ton of success. But, you know, you look at guys like Polanco, Hoy Park, some of these guys that have come in and, uh, you know, there's just red flags there. It wasn't going to work. Sad to see Rick Eckstein go. Obviously, Ray Searage uh, was uh, nixed from this staff when Ben Charrington came in. And Oscar Marine was the hire at pitching coach to follow up Searage. But, Nick, you had an article out this week talking about how Oscar Marine may be on the hot seat. How realistic is this? 
he is one of Ben Charrington's guys, but obviously has struggled with guys like Mitch Keller and some of these pitchers. And the staff as a whole has really had their woes this season. Is Oscar Marine really on the hot seat? Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, he is a Ben Charrington guy. And as I read in my article, that might protect him for a little bit of more time, you know. But I definitely think he's trending in the wrong direction. Once again, just like the hitting, you know, there's not really a whole lot to be inspired by with this pitching right now. Um, You know, yes, we've had some good outings, you know, throughout the year when like Yahoo Ray has been up, we've seen glimpses of him. Okay. But you know, Mitch Keller is exactly, you know, I'm watching him pitch right now. There's a guy on second base in the first inning and he already he's up three, nothing. Like it's just, that's Mitch Keller. Um, When he does pitch well, it's often, you know, he gets three or four double play balls that were smoked. (laughs) So He's just been an absolute failure. Once again, you can talk about maybe that's the previous regime and how he was developed in the minors. Okay. But I mean, if you look at his numbers, something significantly changed over the last couple of years and whether that's Oscar Marine's fault or not, part of a big part of his job is going to be to help these young pitchers figure it out. Right. And when we have all these young pitchers coming up, over the next couple of years that, you know, we're excited about Quinn Priester and um, Carmen um, Lodzinski and hopefully Anthony Salamito eventually, you know, we got a lot of promising pitching prospects right now throughout the minor league system. Some of them are going to come up and have success right away. And some of them are going to have to face adversity. And right now I'm not seeing, um, our pitchers kind of get through that adversity and take steps forward, much like our hitters. So I think Marine should be on the hot seat. Um, you know, like you said, maybe that's something that happens at the end of the season rather than in season if, you know, September doesn't look any better. But, yeah, yeah, I think he should be uh, definitely on the hot seat, at least going into next season. Um for sure. No, you know, it's a really interesting point there, too, because it's it's one of those conversations. He has been in this role for not even two full seasons yet. But, you know, you really when you're turning the corner, you want the guy in place that can develop these pitchers that can really, you know, get major league success in the long run. And I don't want to get too far into the hypotheticals tonight, Nick. But, you know, we talk about Derek Shelton. Is he kind of a placeholder for this group right now? Does he make it through this rebuild? And, you know, is he with the team when they're winning next? Yeah, I mean, that's been a big question if you listen to any, you know, Pittsburgh sports media, radio. Um, you know, they've been talking about that, too. Is he the John Russell? Um, you know, I, I don't think he's a John Russell by any means. I think Derek Shelton, um, you know, is far more respected in baseball. Nothing against John Russell. You know, he stuck around in baseball for a while. But, you know, Derek Shelton, everyone knew he would eventually get a managerial job and everyone knows the situation he's in. Um, So I think he'll get a little more time. And that's why I think you're seeing the hitting coach get fired. And maybe Marine's going to get fired, if not this year, next year, if things don't continue uh, to progress, right? Because Shelton's going to, you know, get make those moves, right? And get rid of those coaches before, um, you know, he lets himself kind of take the fall. But – 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think I think he he'll be he'll get a chance to be here for that next wave, but you know, it's all just going to depend on that trajectory and the trajectory right now is down, you know. So he, if he can get it at least going in the right direction somewhat, I think he'll be all right. Well, you know, and I, I kind of want your take here really on Derek Shelton as a whole. That's something we've we've never really talked about, Nick. I've had this conversation with Marty in the past, uh, you know, just about his in-game managerial decisions, everything else. But what, what do you think is the right move? Is Derek Shelton, would he be your pick for the long run? Um, right now, no. I mean, like you said, we see um, him every night and we kind of see a lot of the questionable decisions he makes. You know, but this is one of those things we we don't know all the information. Okay, we don't know why he's rotating the lineup the way he rotates it. Right? For all we know, that's a organizational decision that they all sat down and said, "Hey, listen, we're projected to win you know fifty five to sixty games this year, whether we rotate these guys or not. So let's keep them healthy. Let's keep them fresh. You know, whatever. And whether you're whether you agree with that or not." Um, you know, it's your prerogative, I guess, but it's also Derek Shelton's prerogative to run the team the way he likes to. Right. So, you know, beyond that, yeah, his in-game decision making is very suspect, but he's also in his second year as a manager. Right. So he's still learning also, um, you know, there's a reason that he was coveted by multiple teams. You know, there's a reason Ben Charrington circled him as one of the primary targets as well. So I just think, you know, I think overall he he can be a good manager here. I don't know if he should be the manager if all things go right down the road. But I think with the the young movement that we're going through, I think, you know, he really fits that mold of kind of what you're looking for. Um, you know, like I said, and you can take that how you want, but um, that's where the Pirates are at right now. So, yeah, it, no, it is. And I'm right there with him. I'm right there with you, Nick. I, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily feel either way about it at this point. I don't think we know enough, but I do think that he fits the mold of what they're they're looking for. And it was a good hire at the time, at the very least. Mitch Keller now runners on the corners. All right, two outs, no runs in. You know, like we were talking about Trey too, though. Like, it's not all on him, right? I mean, it's like exactly. they know the talent he has, also. So how much are they really blaming Derek Shelton for this versus the coaches who maybe like, you know, Eckstein who are more hands-on. Right. So, yeah. And, and, you know, you think about that. Yes. I I think that we, we have to, um, you know, give them any kind of benefit of the doubt because this, this roster is probably number 30 in baseball, maybe 29. Last year, you might as well just throw that out. Yeah, I mean, that that you don't even look at. But there, you know, you look at last year and this year, both. There are instances where you look at certain moves. And like you said, we don't know how much of this was – you know, the team telling him to do this, but there's just certain moves that, that make you a little bit uncomfortable, no doubt about it. But I think we need to see him manage a team that is really trying to compete. And we haven't seen that yet in Pittsburgh. So 
it's going to it's going to take a little bit of time but um you know something certainly to watch here and Oscar Marine definitely uh, uh approaching that hot seat if he's not already there Gregory Polanco way past that at this point he was released officially this week he's trying to blue jay now great to see him turn it around and sign on with a new team i think he's been assigned to buffalo to get started there in triple a sad news and we broke it down a good bit last week really the drama that went around his uh, designation rather than this release, but officially released after he came back, mounted that seventh inning rally. Um, And, you know, after eight years, obviously this was a very difficult decision, but one that needed to happen. Cole Tucker was the corresponding move. He was brought to the big league club and Nick, we've seen him leading off a little bit here. Do you like that role? And do we see that for Cole Tucker the rest of the season? Um, I don't know about the rest of the season, just because like we were just talking about Derek Shelton always moving things around. But yeah, I mean, this is it for Cole Tucker as far as I'm concerned. Um, if he doesn't perform down this stretch, he's probably a DFA candidate this offseason. Um, just because of the 40 man roster crunch that we've talked about before. You talk about a guy like Diego Castillo, who they just uh, promoted to AAA, who they got from the Yankees. He needs to be added to 40 man roster. So you know, is Ben Sherrington going to keep him or Cole Tucker? Tucker really has to, you know, perform down the stretch here. So I think, yeah, they're going to give him every opportunity to. So, yeah, why not stick him in that leadoff spot if, you know, he can hits the way he's, you know, kind of has been the small sample size so far. Uh, you know, his athleticism can play from there. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, Matt Chapman and, and Jack Flaherty are probably going to get designated for assignment this offseason as well, right? No, just uh, it, it's hard to hear that, Nick, uh, you know, knowing what happened with Cole Tucker and just his time in Pittsburgh has been uh, certainly disappointing. But, um, you know, we're going to see. I, I like what you said there. I think he will get rotated in, but I like him in this leadoff role. I think it was you or Marty tweeted yesterday. You know, why not just let him continue to get reps there at the top? I don't hate yeah. it. For sure. Um, you know, it's something that that could work out in the long run if he finds success there and they determine, hey, we'll keep him around. But as of now, he is extremely hot, uh, way hotter than Oscar Marine, maybe anybody on this roster other than Mitch Keller. <laughs> Cole yeah. Tucker is on the hot seat. Um, Polanco signed by the Blue Jays after he was released by the Pirates. Nick, this has been pretty confusing. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, after the designation for assignment and then he was – Made it through waivers, was brought back onto the team, made starts, obviously had some tough games, but looked really good at times as well. Pirates ultimately release him. What what went into the timing behind this? Why did they decide to officially cut ties now? Yeah, I mean, all around it was, like you said, it was a very odd situation. First, it was reported he was DFA'd, and then it was reported he was just on waivers. None of that should have been reported in the first place, and that's why there was all this confusion because it was misreported, even though it should have just not have been reported. Anyhow, and it kind of made everyone look bad, right? And it put everyone in a weird situation. Polanco, like you said, he's in the lineup playing, and everyone's like, why Why is he here still for getting rid of him, right? Well, you know, that's a pretty common thing that goes on. But also, you know, he's been playing because it's what we've been saying. Everybody, everybody wants Polanco on wanted Polanco on the bench. And, you know, my immediate question for a good bit of the last couple of weeks has been for who, who, who are you sticking out there instead? Anthony Alford? I mean, sure. You know, 
give the young guy an opportunity. Okay. But like, you know, it seems like every time we turned around, someone else was hurt in the outfield and the end of the day, they were paying him his contract. So there's a lot of variables that go into it um, beyond just trying to get through this season where they were projected to win 60 games. I know we want to get these younger guys opportunities and we are now. Okay. And we have expanded rosters now, you know, there was some timing with that. I am sure there was timing on Polanco's end. They released him in time. That way he could jump on with a team and, you know, potentially help that team out uh, towards a postseason run. Like you said, they end up with Toronto. Um, Toronto's kind of on the outside looking in right now, but I do wonder if there was any, um, you know, friendly phone calls going on there. Maybe Ben Charrington reaching out to the Blue Jays and, you know, kind of saying, Hey, give this, give this guy a chance, you know, being familiar with them. So overall, I think it's a good fit for him. It's nice to see him go to the American league where he can maybe DH some also. And also where pirate fans don't have to worry about him as much. Exactly. I mean, it's a perfect fit, I think. And it is kind of funny how it works. Toronto, obviously, Ben Sherrington's previous stop. Maybe some phone calls going down there. But, you know, like you said, Nick, there was a, this big feeling of, you know, Gregory Polanco needs to needs to sit. And even before that, you know, Gregory Polanco is terrible. And Gregory Polanco, you know, has always sucked at baseball and has never. And, you know, I asked this question to really just kind of recap his eight years in Pittsburgh. And it's another bit of a hypothetical but why was this always the feeling I mean there were some really good seasons obviously 2018 was a standout year but he really contributed in the playoff teams and everything else your thoughts on his career as a whole and you know what do you say to those fans that constantly were preying on Gregory Polanco's downfall yeah I mean Polanco is in a tough situation because he was supposed to complete the dream outfield and you had Kutch, you had Marte, who both, for the most part, right, panned out. Kutch obviously more than panned out. Marte, um, you know, slowly each year he got better. And, you know, you couldn't really ask for much more out of him by the end of his career here either. So Polanco is supposed to be that last part. And, you know, I think this is once again where a little bit of the previous front office faltered. You know, some things we didn't realize at the time. Um, Polanco is probably rushed up through the minors. Okay, He's a left-handed power hitter, just like Pedro Alvarez. If you notice, Pedro also struggled when he came up, right? And at times looked good, but was very streaky. Swing would get long, had trouble catching up to high, high heat, right? Just like Greg, right? So I do question how much of that had to do with the previous um, front office. But, I mean, it's just the eight years of Gregory Polanco, I think, are probably looked at way more under a microscope than they need to be just because of the state of Pittsburgh Pirate Baseball. And it seemed like he kind of was always the person in the middle of, you know, that bad highlight or that bad moment over the last couple years and just kind of, unfortunately symbolized you know the state of the organization that's a really really good way to put it there I mean he was the guy that fell down in Chicago and you know was the guy that couldn't stay healthy at times and fans 
got frustrated, but um, you know, we wish Gregory the best in Toronto. And I know that he is certainly uh, going to miss Pittsburgh and, you know, had an unbelievable career there, but Yoshi Sasugo is maybe going to fill into this role now, Nick. He's looked really good so far, and not just for the rest of the season, but potentially into the future. But let's talk about this season first. Does he fill into that role for Gregory Polanco? You know, do we see him in the infield at all? What is the rest of his season looking like? And we'll talk about maybe what the Pirates look to do with him here in a minute. Yeah, I mean, he's another one. I think much like Cole Tucker, they want to get him as many bats as possible towards the end of this year to see what they have in him. They got him basically for free from the Dodgers, but they cut Nagowski for him, right? Which was kind of a polarizing move a little bit. People are upset, but that kind of shows you what this front office, you know, thinks of him. Not that they thought Nagowski was great, but at the end of the day, he was performing. So, you know, it was kind of weird to see them cut a player who was producing on a team that didn't have too many, right? But I think we've quickly seen why um, that raw power is there. And, you know, he's been a difference maker in this relatively quiet lineup. Um, will he play infield, outfield? You know, the, the nice thing we've talked about, the universal DH next year um, seems like a go. So he can fit into that role. It is kind of funny because one way or another, he's probably replacing Polanco, whether that's in right field or or in that DH role next year. Yeah, true. I mean, Polanco really probably would have been a perfect DH for this team. The timing doesn't work out there, but maybe it's Sutsugo. And, you know, as we talk about next season and the future with the Pirates, what, what does the contract look like? You know, do the Pirates spend that much money on Yoshi Sutsugo? And really, I asked this talking about Brian Reynolds as well. Contract extension has been uh, a hot topic of conversation for quite some time here. Still hasn't gotten it yet. When do we see that? And how do they kind of deviate the money this offseason? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that we've been, as fans, told for years that, you know, we're not spending because we're going to spend when the time is right. And the time is right for Brian Reynolds because if you wait any longer – um, the time just will continue to be more right for him to cash in for more money, uh, it, which, you know, it takes two to tango, right? So we need Brian Reynolds to want to get an extension done. You know, he seems very much like he's open to the extension, but are the Pirates going to be able to hit that price? You know, we we, we hope so. You know, we're, they're, they're telling us that they've been saving money to do so over the years um, to make sure they lock up these key guys. Um, and Reynolds very much, you know, is a key veteran that you want, you know, in the middle of all those young prospects like Nick Gonzalez and Henry Davis and those guys who are eventually going to be here. I mean, Brian Reynolds truly could be the centerpiece of this team. Uh, and, you know, you look into the yeah, future as well. Yeah, he really could be. And, you know, he's he already, the kind of guy that, he already, he already is. More he really that. already is. And and he's the kind of guy that flies under the radar doing that. You know, he's the kind of sleeper, Andrew McCutcheon. He's just so solid and, and you know, really is more of a Mike Trout even than an Andrew McCutcheon. And, you know, the sense of his personality. But, uh, you know, hopefully that, that contract extension goes down. And as we talk about the future of this team, I want to highlight some minor leaguers from this past week. Quinn Priester. One of the most unbelievable outings uh, we've seen from a minor leaguer this season. He went five perfect innings, 
believe the final line, he allowed just two hits, no runs, a walk. An unbelievable night. Um, and on the other he side, had 13 of it, strikeouts. Yeah, 13. That was, I was going to say, there was another number that, that made my eyes just pop. 13 strikeouts yeah, he, in that game. He had a no hitter going into the sixth. Um, just crazy, like you said. Um, Priester's won every start, just gets, seems like he's getting better and better. He's got to be in Altoona, uh, hopefully by the end of this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, just really impressive stuff. ERA sub three for the year, just really showing you why there's so much preseason hype about him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's all there. And I was going to ask you the timetable on him. Hopefully we we do see him get to Altoona by the end of the season. And, you know, maybe realistically to the big league club by the end of next year. You know, is that possible? I mean, it's it's not out of the question. I don't think, you know, with this team's current state with pitchers and, you know, this front office is um, – willingness i guess at times to be aggressive i don't know we're still figuring that out so <laughs> i guess we had to kind of regress on that a little bit but i just think you know if they deem that he's ready and by all accounts at high a right now he's, he's looking like he's ready to go to double a if he goes to double a that gets him started there next year you know he, like you said it maybe gets him to triple a if he does well he gets there quickly so, yeah, I, I don't think it's maybe not out of the question he could be here in 2022. 20, uh, but the Pirates also might not be in a position to, you know, really rush him. So we'll see what happens. You don't want him to be rushed by any means. And, you know, you think about the overall timetable of this future staff. Contreras is probably on a similar timetable, you would imagine, to, to Quinn Priester. And obviously, Yahoo Ray is a little bit further ahead. And Karen Majinski probably somewhere in that Priester range as well, you would imagine. So you don't want to rush it at all. Uh, but a kid that you could call right now, and I think he would have some success, Monday and Tuesday of this week, between those two games, Nick Gonzalez hit 583. He had five home runs, a double, 15 runs batted in. And scored seven times. He had a walk-off grand slam in that stretch as well. Nick, uh, Nick Gonzalez, that is, has been absolutely dominating. But Nick Caparoso, I have to ask you, what is the timetable on him? Do we see him get to Altoona by the end of the season? And, you know, how quickly does he get to the bigs? I feel like you could really rush him. Yeah, I mean, if you're on social media, you can see people are starting to get a little um, impatient you know, wondering why he's not in double A already when he's hitting the way he is. I completely agree. Like you said, he has more than shown that he is ready. We knew this about Nick Gonzalez. We knew he was an elite hitter. It took him a little bit to get there this year, but Hey, I mean, first professional season coming out of, you know, 2020 and dealing with an early season injury, like, I can understand why it took him a little bit to kind of get his timing down. And now that his timing is here and we're seeing him, I mean, he's, he's showing exactly that hit tool that, you know, we were told about. And like you said, that hit tool is plus plus and he's showing some power. So there's no reason why he, he couldn't aggressively be moved up the system as well. I would love to see it. He, uh, you know, was a guy that we had on the podcast last year. Fun to talk to and really just a good guy. I would love to see him move up. Obviously, on the field, he couldn't have been better to this point. Pittsburgh Pirates on September 1st, 1971, became the first franchise to field an all-minority starting lineup. 
in a non-Negro League game. It came because of injuries, but was a historic day and a huge day for Major League Baseball, obviously for the Pirates as well. That was back in 1971. Nick, as we honor that now 50 years later here in 2021, what are your thoughts on that team, what that meant for the game of baseball, and your closing thoughts as we wrap it up here on episode number 66? Yeah, I, I mean, that 1971 obviously was a pretty special team to begin with. Um, unfortunately, that was also Roberto Clemente's final season um, with the team, right? Or am I am I? Scared? No, that's that's correct. I think it was he died on New Year's going into '72, I believe. Right, and they won the World Series in '71. '71, right? Yeah, '71 and '79. Okay, so yeah, I mean, obviously, the, you know. Those were big years for the Pirates in general, and they were very much, um, at that time, they were Pittsburgh's team almost. I mean, I know in the 70s, the Steelers started to really come up, but people loved the Pirates. That was um, Pittsburgh's first team, and the Steelers were coming along with them, but uh, for them to put that out there, like you said, that was uh, an all minority lineup. That was a big deal at the time. We know that you know civil rights was very active at that point. Um, you know, and the Pirates being kind of you know a baseball icon, having Roberto Clemente, who you know just represented so much more than just baseball. Um, it was good for, for the city. It was good for the Pirates. And overall, um, like I said, good for the game. Now, I know with the Negro Leagues being considered um, part of Major League Baseball now, you know, that kind of throws a wrench into that um, note. But I think people still celebrate it um, because at the time, obviously, that, that broke a lot of barriers. It really did. I mean, obviously, Jackie Robinson was the, the first to break that barrier, but this team put out an all-minority all uh, uh, nine on the field there. Really a historic day on September the 1st, 1971. As we record here on September the 2nd, 2021, Nick, the Pirates uh, had their struggles in the midweek against the Chicago White Sox. But hey, they go to Chicago now, look to clean it up a little bit your closing thoughts tonight preview this weekend a little bit what are you excited for in the next week of pirates baseball um i'm excited about any potential roster moves to come i think miguel yahoo um is an obvious guy to be called up he has made i think at least four minor league starts now so you know at this point i think he should be pretty much ready to go if he feels good get him up here get him in a rotation um, and let's see what he has, and let's see if he can be, you know, a, a part of this rotation to start the, you know, 2022 season. It's going to be a lot of fun to see Yahoo Ray. Uh, we got a taste of it this year, but obviously injuries have kept him away from the big league group. Really excited to see him get back up. And I said Chicago a second ago. They're going to play the Cubs. They do not have to play this White Sox team again the rest of the season, thankfully. So looking to clean it up a little bit. Until next time, guys. 
Find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Omni.com, wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to fansided.com as well, slash Realmunter. Check out the rest of our content. Tons of articles out right now from guys like Noah Wright, Nick Caparoso, Marty Lee, Vincent Spallone, the rest of our awesome staff at Realmunter. We have some new writers as well that have come on in the last couple of months. Go check out their stuff, guys. So much to talk about, even with this team and last in the Central. The season's wrapping up, and like Nick said, there's going to be some roster moves. We're going to keep you updated here on the show. But until then, for Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. This has been Episode 66 of Rum Buncher Radio. Let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.